Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey everybody, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. My name is Eric. Get to be one of the pastors here. Uh, why don't you stand with me, and we're going to read God's Word. We are in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, we kicked off our series last week, uh, verses uh, 1 through 9, and today we're going to be uh, starting off in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together uh, in worship, in fellowship, to dive into your word. Thank you for the book of Genesis. God, our prayer this year is that you would give us faith to trust you, to trust what you say, uh, that you are good, that you are true, that you are with us. So God, I pray that just right now you would calm anxious hearts, spinning minds, God, that just for the next few minutes, we'd be able to focus on you and what you want to say to us. Thank you, God, that we know that you are here. So just give us open minds, hearts, eyes to see what you're doing in, in our midst. And God, we pray, please, please be with Captain Kirk Cousins and let the Vikings win. Amen. Amen? You can take a seat. Uh, amen. Well, we are in this series called Give Me Faith. Um, some, I, I thought of this earlier this week, and I was like, man, I feel like I just gotta, I gotta say this. So a lot of times, me or Matt or one of us works on graphics for our church, and uh, if you don't know, we like to be very creative at our church, and oftentimes I will do things that I think are very creative, and then I realize that maybe people aren't tracking with me. And so I just wanted to make sure you all knew the logo's over her eyes because we want to walk by faith, not by sight. So anyways, if you didn't catch that, that's why it's over her eyes. So did anyone catch that? Am I the only one? Okay, a couple back there. Good, 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 yeah. So we want to walk by faith, not by sight. That's why her eyes are covered up. Anyways, uh, so now you know. That's, that's why the graphics are there. You're like, why is that? We want to walk by faith, not by sight. So uh, last week we kicked off this series on Abraham, and, and he's, he's called to step into this uh, journey of faith. But what happens... When you take a big step of faith, and then things don't go the way you think they will. This happens all the time, right, in our, in our lives. How many of you remember, or maybe in now, the phase of dating and looking for a spouse and just all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oftentimes, like, you got to ask out someone, 
or put yourself on the line of like, man, are, do they like me? Do they not? And that can be a scary, scary place. I've shared some of this story before, but I think it's a good story of when Kristen and I were talking, and you know how that goes, like, is, does she like me? Does she like not? We'd gone to see a movie. We'd gone on a church date. I made sure we went Dutch after the church date. She paid for herself. I paid for myself so she, you know, wouldn't get too much of an idea. We're figuring things out. Does she like me? Does she not? And then she asked me, hey, want to come over to my professor's house because I'm house-sitting for him. And I'm like, ooh, okay, yeah, I want to come over. So we come over, we watch some kind of romantic movie, and then we're hanging out, and I'm trying to see, is she vibing with me? Does she like me? Does she not? And it feels like the moment's right, and she's sitting on the couch kind of laying down, and I'm sitting on the floor looking up at her, and we're gazing into each other's eyes. And I think, okay, this is the moment. I'm going to take a step of faith here. And Kristen says, Eric, what are you thinking right now? And I tell her, well, I'm thinking how much I'd like to kiss you right now. Now, that's pretty good, right? And what does Kristen say? Please don't. And I was like, whoa, took that step of faith, took my shot, shot my shot, and rejected. Uh, you can ask her why she said that later. Um, but you know what? We're married with four kids, so I win. So yeah, there we go, there we go, there we go. But again, we've all had those moments where we take those steps of faith, and it's like, man, I thought this was the right thing. And I, sometimes it is the right thing, but things don't go the way you think they're going to go. Last week, Abram, he's this pagan man from a pagan family, living in a pagan land. God shows up and says, go leave Babylon and go to the promised land. And so he thinks, I gotta take this big step of faith. And so it's like, all right, God, I'm gonna follow you now in what you say. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take this step of faith. But what we're gonna see, though, is, is he's not just some kind of like plastic Bible character, but he actually grows in his faith as he makes mistakes, as he messes up, and he's gonna learn how to repent. See, oftentimes, the Bible shows people's worst sins and deals in brutal Honesty. And this series we're in is all about developing a faith like Abraham. We want to have a faith like Abraham. That even though we're going to see he takes this big step of faith to go to Babylon, leave Babylon, and all the security of that, and go to the promised land, he shows up. And we're going to see he shows up in the promised land, but the promised land is a famine land. And it's like, God, I thought you called me to this, but I get there, and what is going on? And so if you're taking notes, we're saying, what is faith? Faith is trusting in the promises of God and trusting the God of promises. See, faith is trusting in what God has promised. In his word, saying that these are the promises of God he's given to us. So we're going to stand on his promises. We're going to believe that what he said is true. But it's not just there. It's also trusting the God of the promises. See, when we pray for peace, we don't want just the peace of God. We also want to pursue the God of peace. It's both. We want a relationship to trust the God of promises, but also faith is trusting in the promises of God. And we're going to see that true faith grows. True faith is imperfect. See, God is good when we learn to trust him more as our faith grows. That's why our prayer this winter as a church is saying, God, give me faith. Give us faith as a church to trust what you say so we can walk in you. We can build those faith muscles and, and know God more and trust in him more. See, when, past, when Josh is up here, Pastor Josh, sometimes you call him, and he's saying, here's what we do as a church. We gather in worship. We serve our kids back there. 
We also gather in community groups on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, and Thursday nights, and we do the Green Book Discipleship. The reason we invite you into that, to serve kids out there, to be a part of a community group, to do the Green Book, is not just to fill your calendar and have you do a bunch of things for Jesus. The reason we invite you to be in community, the reason we want you to do the Green Book, the reason I I harp on it so much, please get in God's word every day. If you miss a day, try not to miss two days. The reason we're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, again, not just to fill your calendar with a bunch of stuff, it's because we think this stuff helps us become more like Jesus. That's the goal. We say, God, give us faith, not just so we can have more faith, because we want to be more like Jesus. So all the stuff we do, gathering together, we hope when you gather in worship, when you hear others sing, that starts to shape you to become more like Jesus. When you come to your community group and and, and you eat a meal together and you're talking and and you're sharing and, and, and you're discussing things, that's shaping you to become the kind of person who's more like Jesus. When you go to your men's Bible study or a women's Bible study or if you have a trusted friend and you're sitting face to face and you're sharing a little bit of who you are, and you're growing together in spiritual things, the reason for that is to become a little bit more like Jesus. So that's what we're saying in this series. Give us faith so that we can be more like Jesus. Last week, we dove into Genesis 12, 1 through 9. And in that story, Abram, he's going to become Abraham, but Abram is presented as this man of faith and obedience. He's called by God, and then he goes. He's blessed by God so that he can be a blessing to others. And he just relies on the name and this word of the God who has suddenly turned his whole life upside down. He leaves the safety and security of, of big Babylon. And the call of God has been fully embraced. And this is where the history of Israel begins. Undoubtedly, Abram is offered as a model for our faith. But we know that's not the whole story. See, people have times of great strength and times of great weakness. In the first part of the story, Abram seems, again, almost like plastic, just like the Bible character we would discuss in Sunday school or something. But we all know faith isn't that easy. is isn't just God showing up and saying, go, and we go, and everything is, is great. Faith is always a battle. Even Abram must struggle for faithfulness. Now, in the second part of this chapter, the second part of the story we're going to dive into, we see it's quite a contrast from last week. This week we're going to see Abram as an anxious man filled with fear, a man of uncertainty. He, he, he's kind of scheming to secure his own survival because he's not trusting the God of promises. He's not trusting in the promises of God yet. Martin Luther, the great Reformation pastor and theologian, shrewdly observes that Abram let the word out of his sight. He kind of took his eyes off the word of God, off the promises of God, and onto his circumstances, and we're going to see what happens through that. So Abram answered the call of God to leave Babylon and to follow God to the promised land and see where that gets him. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram shows up, and again, the promised land is a famine land. And if you're Abram, he's thinking, God, you called me out of this, and now there's a famine. It's like, what is going on? And it's like, sure, uh, there's a famine. I'm getting a little skinny here, and that's good, I guess, but there's no food. Like, this is supposed to be where you've called me, God. Why isn't it what I thought it was going to be? Some of you, maybe you gave your life to Jesus, you got saved, and then everything got worse for a little bit. 
I think of Jesus after his baptism. He has this big moment where, where he, in, in obedience he's getting baptized and, and the spirit descends like a dove and, and, and the father says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. It's like, wow, he's being commissioned to ministry. Amazing. And then immediately after that, he's led out into the desert for 40 days with no, with no food and he's gonna go toe-to-toe with the devil. Jesus feeds the 5,000 in this amazing miracle. And, and his disciples, they're there, you know, spreading out the, the, the fish and the bread. And immediately after that big miracle, what happens? He sends them on ahead of him uh, into a big storm that has these professional fishermen shaking in their sandals. See, sometimes God leads you into the middle of nowhere and gives you nothing. <laughs> Can anyone else relate? Am I the only one? Yeah, a few of us. Yeah, sometime God leads us in the middle of nowhere and gives us nothing. Why? Why would God do that? So you can learn to trust him. Because if it's all easy and up and to the right, we just trust ourselves. But sometimes God leads you into the middle of nowhere and gives you nothing. Why? So you can learn to trust him. See, Jesus sends his disciples into the storm so they can see him walk on water and also see him calm the storm with just a word. Here's what we learn is the temptation to stop trusting and give in to fear almost always comes immediately after the times of our biggest steps of faith and spiritual victories. Oftentimes we take a big step of faith. God, I'm gonna step into fostering. God, I'm gonna ask this girl out. God, I'm gonna invite someone to do the green book with me. God, I'm gonna join this community group. And we take this step of faith and then immediately after that, we have this temptation to stop trusting, to give into our fears. This is just the cycle we see in God's word so often because the truth is we do have an enemy. He doesn't want us to, to thrive spiritually. And so when we take these steps of faith, our enemy is going to present opposition to us. And for the sake of this promise, Abram leaves the big, strong kingdom of Babylon. Immediately he discovers the promised land is a famine land. And so what does he do? Does he continue to trust God and say, God, you will provide. You've called me here, so I know you're going to provide. It says, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. All right, in the Bible, almost always... And I'd love in your community groups to figure out what's the one spot where it's not bad. But almost always when they go down to Egypt, that's a bad thing. You're going down. Think hell. Think sin. Abram is going down. This is bad. He's taking matters into his own hands. Now, we can judge Abram. You just were called here. And now you're going to leave the promised land and go down to Egypt. But I think all of us can say we've walked away or been tempted to walk away for far less than famine, right? Like, most of us Americans, let's just be honest, we're, we're, we're a little fat, right? We don't know what famine is. Like, it's like, I'm famished. It's like, I only had two breakfasts today. We're a lot like hobbits, right? It's like, we get cranky because we haven't had enough to eat. It's like, oh God, today was such a hard day. I got stuck in traffic and, you know, my heated seats like made my bum too warm. Like, this is, this is hard. I can't go to community group tonight. Like, this is tough, right? <laughs> But, but so let's not judge Abram too much. Now, as we get into this, we're going to see this is really one of the freakiest stories in the Bible. This is one of the stories you don't put in the coloring pages. You don't put in the kids' Bible. They're not going to cover back there. But this is how I know that this was written and inspired by God. 
Because if you and I are writing the story of our faith, the story of our family, we're not going to put stories like this in there. Like this story makes Abram, who becomes Abraham, look really, really bad, all right? Because he's going to become the patriarchal pimp trying to get his wife to turn tricks. Like this is not good, okay? This is what's going to happen here. So just picture Abram and his wife Sarai, remember, 75 years old, like about the age of your grandparents, but apparently Sarai is really, really hot. Uh, she's beautiful. So they're heading down on their camels down to Egypt. And you can kind of see the wheels are spinning in Abram's head. And he's like, you know, I've got to find a way to sell this idea to my hot grandma wife. So here's his plan. Verse 11, when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. All right, ladies, if your husband ever turns to you and starts a conversation that way, you're going down to Egypt, okay? This is not good. Like, he's, he's, he wants something from you. You got to read between the lines. Like, they're, they're riding on their camels. This is a total setup. He's not going to say like, hey, you know, I kind of want to pimp you out to save my own skin. He's like, no, honey, you are so beautiful. He has to start somewhere. And he doesn't say, hey, we're going down to Egypt, and I'm realizing that you're very, very beautiful. I'm, you know, maybe someone's going to try to take you from me. Let's turn around and go back to the promised land. And let's trust that God's going to take care of us. He's thinking, no, what's he thinking about? He's thinking, oh man, they're going to kill me. They're going to try to take my wife. And this great man of faith is really only thinking of himself. He's like, honey, you are beautiful. Long, dramatic pause. You're so beautiful, honey. And I think this is where, you know, have you ever had this, guys, where your wife's then hand goes to the hips? And it's like, what are you going to say now? Like, we know that's trouble, right? When her hand goes to the hips. And, and, and he's like, here's the deal. Tell everyone you're my sister. You know, and, and he's like, no, but honey, for your sake, for your sake, baby, I'm doing this for us. This is for us, baby. Come on, just go along with this. That's what he's telling her. And what does he say? And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live Instead, say you're my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared by your side. He says, you know, uh, uh, and what we see here is that Sarai doesn't say a single word. Like, he lays out this plan, she doesn't say anything. Some of you ladies are probably thinking, oh, I would say something back to him, right? It's like, this is a terrible plan. Now, some commentators think Sarai didn't say anything because of her great faith, and she trusted in God's plan, and she's just going to listen to her husband, but maybe... Or she's looking over at her 75-year-old wrinkled husband who lives in a tent, is homeless. And is like, you know what? Fine. If you want to give me away to some other guy, like, fine. We've been together 50 years, whatever. But again, this is how I know God wrote this book. Like, you don't put this in your family history unless it's true. Now, to be somewhat fair to Abram, Sarai is his half-sister, again, which is kind of weird. Uh, but this great man of faith, Father Abraham, he's trying to pull off this huge deception. It says, when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. So what happens is we've entered into Egypt. This is, at this time, the only superpower of the day. And Egypt is ruled by Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a title, kind of like Caesar or kind of like president. Well, the Pharaohs all thought they were God. And, and this Pharaoh in particular is always looking to add women to his harem. You know, kind of like Hugh Hefner in his heyday, looking for more and more women at the Playboy Mansion. That's kind of what this Pharaoh is about. Like, I want to be collecting all the beautiful women. And so he has his posse always on the lookout for beautiful women. And they see Sarai. They're whistling. They're like, oh, this 
woman's really beautiful. They go and tell Pharaoh. So they, they praise her and they come and, and they take Sarai. And what does Abram do? Absolutely nothing. Just like Adam standing next to Eve when the serpent tempts her, he just stands by and does nothing. And guys, this is the great sin of passivity. And this is something that plagues men to this day to a great degree, that we just sit back and let things happen. We don't lead. Men, we need to accept responsibility and reject passivity. Amen? And so he just, you can imagine Sarai thinking, you're supposed to protect me, Abram. You're my husband. And she's like, what's going on? Uh, this guy's just doing nothing. And, and how does Abram come out? He, he gets all this livestock, and he gets servants, he gets an Escalade, a PS5, a 70-inch flat-screen TV, a posse, and a record deal. Like, Abram actually makes out really, really well. And so, you know, maybe Abram's thinking, okay, God, you said you're going to bless me? I guess this is the way it was. I'm going to trade my wife and get all this stuff. You know, this is what I'm going to do. And it looks like Abram is getting honored for being dishonorable. And poor Sarai looks like she's getting the bad end of the deal but the truth is, everything he obtains here later becomes a curse. See, you can accumulate wealth and power, but if you do that apart from the grace of God, what you perceive to be a blessing will ultimately consume you in the end. And I'll prove it to you. We're going to see next week that Abraham now has so many livestock, uh, so many servants, that his worthless nephew Lot, who's also with him, they're going to have to split up because there's too much livestock and, and, and servants that the land can't support him. And we're going to see, in fact, Abram was supposed to leave his nephew behind, supposed to leave all his family behind, but he believes, brings him along, and it's going to cause all this family drama. And side note, sometimes God asks us to leave family behind, at least for a season, because they're no good. And we're going to see that next week, that, that Lot really is uh, no good, and he only causes problems for Abram. So Pharaoh gives Abram livestock and a bunch of all this stuff and men servants and maid servants. And do you know who one of those maid servants is that Abram gets here? It's a woman named Hagar. And Hagar is going to become Abram's girlfriend in a couple chapters. Now, if you don't know, that's really, really bad. If you're married, you shouldn't also have a girlfriend. And through this, they're going to have Ishmael, who's the father of all the Arab nations. And it's going to cause lots of drama in Abraham's story uh, between Hagar and, and Sarai and between Ishmael and Isaac. And to this day, we see conflict in the Middle East between the people descended from Ishmael and the people descended from Isaac. And it's all because he gets this maidservant, Hagar, from Egypt. So what he thinks is a blessing actually is a curse. And we can see that outside the plan of God, blessings can become curses. Outside the plan of God, blessings can become curses. You chase that new job, you chase that promotion, you think this is a blessing, you feel like God's telling you no, and now that becomes a curse because you're working the hours you don't want to work or you're in a toxic environment. You know, you know there's so many things in life that we, we think are what God wants for us, but those blessings outside of his will can easily become curses. But here's the good news. This is where God steps into the story, and God divinely interacts. Because we've talked about this. There's only one true hero in this story, and that's God. It's not Abraham. It's not David. It's no one else. It's Jesus, who's God clothed in the flesh. He is the one true hero. And he's going to step in to save the day. 
And God's going to show up, and this is all foreshadowing what's going to come in the book of Exodus. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues. If you know anything about the book of Exodus, about plagues there. Because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her from my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. And so what we see is Pharaoh is going to ask this series of questions to Abram. This is mirroring back uh, to the Garden of Eden. Last week we talked about how Abram shows up at this tree, and there he meets God. That's where he sees God at the tree of seeing, and that's pointing us back to the Garden of Eden and the tree of life and, and where all is good. And now this is a similar where we're going back to the garden, and the, the questions that Pharaoh asks is very similar to the questions that God asked Adam and Eve. And, and in this whole situation, we see that, that uh, Pharaoh is going to be the one to rebuke guilty Abram. And, and God doesn't speak directly to Abram in this situation, but he speaks through Pharaoh. Abram gets rebuked by a pagan. See, sometimes God will use godless people to call us out in our sins. Like if you have that friend at work who's kind of a pervert, and he calls out your behavior for being a little perverted, like take that for, for God speaking through them, Okay. You know, if you have that one friend who's, who, who, you know, has, you know, just not good morals, and they're like, hey, I'm concerned that, you know, you're, you got some questionable morals here when it comes to business or this relationship with someone who's not your spouse or whatever, like, trust that. That sometimes God will even speak through godless people to get us to listen to him. And so what we see here is that Abram is blowing his witness. See, Pharaoh and his whole nation, they need God. Abram stopped trusting God, and because of that, instead of being blessed through Abram, people were being cursed. There's these plagues coming on them. See, he was supposed to be blessed to be a blessing, but instead, he's turned his back on the God of the promises and the promises of God. He goes down to Egypt, and instead of bringing blessings with him, he's bringing curses. And so now God is going to use this pagan to rebuke him. And so they, they, they get their stuff that they, they got from him, and, and they're going to head back up to the promised land. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot, his worthless nephew, went with him into the Negev. So it's a long ride back to the promised land, right? Like, I'm sure that's not a fun ride. If you're married, if you ever had one of those car rides where you've gotten in a fight and you're both just like sitting there quietly staring straight ahead, that's how I picture this camel ride back home is. Sarai's like, Really? Like, you just gave me to Pharaoh? And Abraham's like, oh man, just keep staring straight ahead. Maybe eventually she'll get over this. And they got this, I'm sure, just silent ride home and probably lot their worthless nephew in between them is just chattering at him or who knows, you know, what's going on. But what we see is that it's going to give Abraham a lot of time to, to think through. And what's interesting is when you read Genesis, it doesn't specifically call out what Abraham did was wrong because here's the important thing we need to know when we're reading the Bible. Genesis and the whole Bible is not a book using people as good and bad examples. Be like Abraham. Don't be like Pharaoh. You know, uh, be like David. Don't be like Saul. That's not what the Bible is about. See, the story of Genesis and the rest of the Bible is the story of God. It's about a purpose God is pursuing in the world and which he is now pursuing through Abram and Sarai. See, these stories about Abram and Sarai are not there to tell us about them, 
They're there to tell us what God is doing and who God is and how he's gonna use these imperfect people to fulfill his purposes. See, for all his cowardice, Abram continues to be protected by Yahweh, the one true God. The God who first promised will still rescue Abram from Pharaoh and still gonna bless him. Did Abram believe the promises of God? Clearly no. And that disbelief brings curses to those who are supposedly supposed to be blessed through him. But does Yahweh keep his promises? Absolutely, yes. Beyond any reasonable expectation, the graciousness of God is fully confirmed even though the faithfulness of Abram and Sarai in the first testing is found wanting. Even though their faith is tested and they fail miserably, God still holds up his part of the bargain. Chapter 13. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. He really benefited from this whole situation with pimping out his wife. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel, remember that's the house of the Lord, to the place where his tent had been at the very beginning. He goes back to where he was called at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there, Abram called upon the name of the Lord. So I think Abram, he's journeying back to the promised land. And he's got this moment, he's thinking, and he's realizing how much he royally messed up. And he could easily just dwell on, uh, on that sin and dwell on his shame. And that could just throw the whole thing off and be like, man, clearly God has not called me and I've messed this up, you know. But what does he do? He goes back to the house of the Lord. He goes back to where he first met God. He calls upon the name of the Lord. And Abram, this father of our faith, he learns how to repent. He learns how to say, you know what? I was going down this path and I realized this is not what God had for me. I need to turn and get back on track. And here's the beautiful thing. Is that January is a great time, just like any time of the year, to look around and realize, man, where have I strayed where do I need to get back on track? And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you, the mistakes you've made, that God is so gracious, so loving, so patient. He says, come, call on the name of the Lord. See, Abram, Sarai, Abraham, Sarah, they are imperfect people, just like you and me. They take great steps of faith. Wow, Amazing. Leave everything you know to follow the call of God. You show up, it's not what you thought it was. They stop trusting, they make some big mistakes. But what do they do? Then they go back and they call upon the name of the Lord. So here's what I want for you this weekend for today. Are there places in your life you've strayed away from where the calling that you believe God has on your life? Is there some spiritual gift God has given you that maybe recently, in the last several weeks, months, or even years, you've been burying that talent and not investing it in the kingdom of God. And it's like, you know what? I need to get back on track. I need to get back to what God first called me to do and to be. Maybe there's some sin in your life that you've been hiding and you've been managing it, and you're like, you know what? It's not a big deal. It's not really hurting anyone. But you know what? Sin always explodes in your face. And so maybe you just realize, and I need to repent. I need 
to call on the name of the Lord. So on your note sheet, I just give you this opportunity. Just, just maybe to yourself, or, or if you want a journal there, or at home, wherever, just to think through. Is there something that you're just not living fully in the plan of God? And again, disciples are handmade. They're not mass-produced widgets, and so it's going to look differently for each and every one of us. But is there some area in your life that you're, just, you're saying, you know what, God, I need to get back on track in this? Is it with your time, uh, you know, your finances, your friendships, you know, in, in your field, wh- whatever that area is, I don't know. My prayers for you is that you can listen to that nudging of the Holy Spirit, because I believe that maybe even right now God's speaking to you, and just what is that thing? And, and, and how are you going to continue to call on the name of the Lord? We're going to do a closing worship song here. And I, I love the words of this song. It says, I'm going to build my life on you. I'm going to write the band up. And as we take this closing song, I, 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 I would like for you to think of this as not just a closing song to our service, but this is really a response song. Saying, okay, God, how am I going to respond now that I've heard your word? Now that I see, you know what, I'm not the only one that will take big steps of faith but will mess up. You know, I have a lot in common with Abram. A lot in common with Sarai. You know, maybe you look at your life and you're like, man, you've been wronged, you've been harmed. The men in your life who were supposed to protect you didn't. And you've got some resentment and built up and you need to get back to God. You need to give that to him. I don't know what that is, but I pray that as we sing this song, that, that, that these would be your response to him. And then we do this business of God, again, not just for us, but we're blessed to be a blessing so that then it'll spill out over us into all those around us. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna do this closing response song and I, and I, I really hope this can be a time where you can just be patient. Vikings don't play for a couple more hours and, and, just, and uh, you know, the restaurants are gonna be open. It's okay, we can think we're about dinner, lunch later, you know. But instead, let's just, okay, God, you and me, for the next five minutes, uh, just speak to me. Uh, so let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Genesis and that shows us that uh, the Bible isn't filled with perfect people, uh, but people who take steps of faith but also mess up royally. And, and uh, God, that's the same for all of us. So God, I pray right now that we would get back on track, uh, that we'd come back to the house of the Lord, that we'd come back to where we first met you. God, that we would call on your name. God, that we would repent of our sins or any of those areas in our life, God, that we've just been strained from what you want for us. God, I pray right now you just convict us of maybe places we're flirting with sin. Maybe it's an inappropriate relationship or we're handling our business in a way that's not exactly honoring to God or our parenting or our marriage or just in whatever way, God, because we want to be more like Jesus. So reveal to us those places that that we need your gentle correction, not out of shame, but that we can become more like Jesus. And God, I pray right now that we just, we just meet with you, that we'd sense your presence, that you're, you're here with us. Thank you, thank you, God, that you love us so, so much that even when we mess up, you still hold to your promises and you still look out for us. Be with us now. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's let's sing this song to him.
Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic Tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.